Before we get going, please do not forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. This helps us get the show out to as many people as possible. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Couch Guy Sports. Thanks, guys, for listening, and enjoy the show. The only gripe I have with you is destroying Wawa. This! Who else is going to pay you this kind of money? And who else needs you that bad? The contracts are getting too out of control. It The guy is... Such a loser. Couch Guy Sports Podcast. He holds on to that ball. They have another play. They win the game. With Nick Qualia. At one point, you have to go, okay, this isn't working. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's Jared Scott. You guys have, have a terrible coach guys. and a terrible quarterback. You guys can all screw and figure out how to be a real organization. I can't even be mad. Couch Guy Sports Podcast, episode number 106. We got me, Nick Qualia, this week. Producer Pat. We've got no Jared. We don't have a regular backup, Connor Strayer. We don't have anybody else from Couch Guy, former Couch Guy sports blogger, though. Fun fact. People don't, people, people remember, people don't forget. Now, CLNS Media, Alex Barth. Alex, what up, man? Thanks for coming on. What's going on, guys? No problem. Anytime. Yeah, so I kind of, I introduced that like we're like kind of strangers, but we're just not. We've been, <laughs> we've done, we've been doing shows together now forever. Pretty much, yeah. I'd say so. And forever, see, it seems like forever for sure. I know those. Listen, if if people if people want to hear a bloodbath of of some roundtables, we used to do Red Sox roundtables on CLNS, and Alex and I never agreed on anything. <laughs> no, we need to bring those back. Like you need to talk to them about getting those back. I know. I, I know. No, I know. I don't know why we don't. Because the Patriots, the Patriots. So the Patriots draft coverage on CLNS blew up this week. So we should do them for Red Sox roundtables, too. I mean, why not? Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. All right. Let's get on the weekly dump. Let's get this thing done. Weekly dump. Oh, Alex, I don't know if you know this. This is basically just an update for the week. Yeah. Five years ago, Jalen Brown's teacher, according to his Twitter, said, my teacher said she will look me up in the Cobb County Jail in five years. Wow. My response to that, listen, I, it sounds really bad. I just kind of want to know what led to that comment because that's pretty wild for a teacher to just be like, listen, I'm going to find you in prison. And hopefully, maybe he didn't do anything, but I just would like to know what happened. <laughs> that's a pretty wild statement to just shoot out there. I mean, look, there's some bad teachers, but or or was she a great teacher? Did she motivate him to and, and get him to the NBA? Did she know exactly what she was doing? Maybe more teachers should be telling their students they're going to end up in prison. Negative reinforcement goes a long way. People forget that. Yeah, and you, but teachers are also – there are some teachers who are a-holes. So maybe the no, teachers, there are some bad – I was being sarcastic. There are some bad teachers. Yeah, dude, I, dude. I, had, I had a teacher – I've had a teacher – not that I was going to end up in jail, but I had a teacher tell me that I was never going to amount to nothing. Senior of high school. Yeah, I had – yeah, I've had, I had a lot of teachers told me that, told my friends that you'll never amount to anything. I had teachers – you know what? Jalen Brown did, probably didn't do anything because I had plenty of teachers tell my friends that they're going to jail. Yeah, Fun it's fact, just – fact, none of my friends like are in jail. That's none always good. Friends. That's always a good thing. You sure your friend isn't the guy who robbed the bank at Somerville today? You sure you know that guy? They're still looking for him. I think they're still looking for him. That was right next to Lauren's uh, Lauren's apartment. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Brad Marchand will not face any supplemental discipline for punching Jackets defenseman Scott Harrington in the back of the head while he was facing the other direction. Look, Brad Marchand, love Brad Marchand. What the fuck are you doing? What are you? Tap. It was a love tap. Whatever. Like, go back and look at the shots they were taking at DeBrusque. Like, he had a legitimate reason for doing it. If it's anybody else, we're not talking about it. But because it's Marshawn, and sure, his reputation's probably deserved, but get over it. I'm sorry. I get thought... over it. Hockey. It's the playoffs. What do you no, want? No, I know. I know. And that's, and I, I'm totally with you. But that's the thing. It's Marshawn. So if he does anything, the league's going to watch him. I'm pretty, I heard that the league already told Bruce Cassidy before this Columbus series that they're going to be paying attention to Marshawn. So if they're going to be watching him, you don't, don't just go up and just punch somebody in the but back. You know what? Maybe this will jumpstart him in the past. These kind of things have kind of gotten him going because he gets really pissed off. So we'll see. Maybe this is what he needs. At the same time, how, how much can you say that you're really watching the guy? If you say beforehand, we're watching him and then he fucking donkey. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Knees, That's a good point. They're like, Oh, Oh, it happens. Well, it's just because he's done so much crap in the past. I mean, his own teammate, Joe Hansen, when he was with New Jersey, that was the big flying elbow that Marshawn threw last year. Where he right. came off his skates and tossed an elbow into Joe Hans's head. <laughs> it happens. 
The judge in the Robert Kraft prostitution case is, case is now requiring Kraft to be there in court in person. Uh, I guess it's called a it's a calendar, a calendar court appearance, whatever that means. I don't know. What, I don't know what that means. Uh, NFL draft was this past weekend. Kyler Murray ended up being the number one overall pick, just like we expected, which then in turn Josh Rosen being traded over to the Dolphins. And I thought I was thinking about this. I'm sure a lot of people have other uh, have thought about this too. The AFC East is now the wasteland of last year's first round quarterback picks, the top quarterback picks. Sam yeah, Darnold. Three of the top 10. Yeah. Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the AFCs against Tom Brady. There's some, I mean, there's some upside there. I wouldn't call it a wasteland outside of uh, wasteland. Wasteland's a, outside bad, of Allen. wasteland's a bad, bad term to use. Cause I think, I think Josh Rosen, I like Josh Rosen. I, I think thought Josh Rosen was the best quarterback prospect in the draft last year. Darnold's probably a little more polished to start, but I thought Rosen had the most upside. And those are two legitimate quarterbacks you've got now. Uh, now, can they get the the weapons around them? Can each team get the weapons around the guy that they need to succeed? We'll see. History tells us they won't. But I mean, those those two guys right now are even even as we sit here today, two of the better quarterbacks Tom Brady will will have played in his career in the AFC East. Yeah, wasteland wasteland's the wrong choice because I, I like uh, two out of those three quarterbacks. Let me ask, can you name who the best quarterback Tom Brady ever faced in the AFC East is? This is a trick question. Um. Chad Pennington? No, it's Peyton Manning. Oh, yeah, because the Colts the AFC East. Wait, here, I want to dump somebody. Really good trivia question. What team besides the Patriots does Tom Brady have the fewest AFC East wins against? The answer is the Indianapolis Colts with two. <laughs> it's a fun, fun trivia question. I forget about that. You know you know how different the rivalry would have been between Brady and Manning if they kept the Colts in the AFC East? Oh, it, well, I don't know that we have the Patriots dynasty. I really don't. I've thought about that before. I've thought about that a number of times. Patriots dynasty does not exist as we know it, for sure. Phillies fans booed Bryce Harper after an own four night, and then he replied by saying, I'd boo me too. So things are going great for Bryce Harper in Philadelphia. No, I love everything about that. Like, he's not complaining about the fans. Like, he knows he deserves it. That's that's kind of the answer we yeah. want, right? Yeah, for sure. That's the kind of answer you want until it starts getting old. And I think, I don't, I don't even know what his numbers are right now, but I think he's actually doing fine. I don't think he's, so he's, he's electric for Philadelphia. Philadelphia needs that electricity. Uh, and we are in the middle of two big playoff series with two round twos with the Celtics currently tied one to one with the Bucks. We are recording Wednesday, May 1st. And then the Bruins are in the big battle with the Blue Jackets currently down in the series two to one. We're going to talk about that series coming up in the rest of the show. That was this week's weekly dump. All right. So, Alex, before we actually get into sports. I got something to say. Have you seen the Avengers yet? We're not going to do spoilers, but have I'm, you seen I'm the not Avengers? an Avenger. I'm not an Avengers guy. I've never seen any of the Marvel movies, actually. Dude, come not. on. No, no Game of Thrones, no Avengers. No, I'm not the, Game the of only Thrones superhero movie I've ever really like watched. I watched the Batman trilogy, the Dark Knight. The Dark, I mean, the Dark Knight is one of my favorite, favorite movies of all time. But no, not a Marvel guy. Not, not really a superhero movie guy. Ever seen what? Iron Man? Nope. It's a classic. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I seen the um, Iron Giant. Uh, okay, it was, I mean, it was like decades ago, but I saw the Iron Giant. Well, look, this this doesn't really have anything to do with the actual movie. The Avengers, this movie, I love, I love myself, I love myself some movies. This movie was one of the most highly anticipated movies of our generation. We've been waiting for this. It's been what twenty one movies built up to this. We've been waiting for this for years, for years. All up to this moment. I'm sitting there in my chair. Behind me, directly behind me, is this annoying-ass five-year-old. And I like, I, I like children. I don't, have, I don't have anything against children. But if you're going to bring your kid, your five-year-old kid, to a movie theater, one of the most anticipated movies of all time, shut him up. That's why, like... I'm not a big movie person. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. We were talking about like, what's the right way to go to a movie? You can go with people, but then it's like, you know, so what? So you're sitting around all your friends silently for two hours. It's even kind of gotten weird to go to a movie on a date. Like we were talking about that. You can go alone, which is nice, but there's a stigma attached to it. No, you know, the best way to watch, watch a movie. And really the only way I watch movies, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, you, you're drunk, you get home, you're not ready for bed yet. And there's something you've never seen, but you've heard of on HBO or TNT or whatever. Like that's the only, th I, I don't remember the last time I watched a movie before one in the morning. I really don't. Cause it's just, I don't have to wake up tomorrow. I'm not ready to go to bed yet. 
Let me see what crap I can find on TV while I drink a couple beers. That and I, I've seen some great movies doing that. I have really enjoyed some good movies watching like that. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I've done that a million times, but like, that's, I guess that's the only good way because I don't, I've never experienced this. Like, like I'm sitting in this movie theater, and Pat, you, you know the movie theater? It's the Cameo Theater in Weymouth. Oh, Charlie Coyle, sure. Yeah, Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle's probably been there a million times. You guys know Charlie Coyle's from Weymouth? I did. Yeah, I did actually. Charlie Coyle. Are you talking about the Weymouth native Charlie Coyle? Yeah, the Weymouth native Charlie Coyle. Plays for the Boston Bruins. Dude, one of my favorite trends going on is when Charlie Coyle scores anything, and people are like, "Charlie Coyle, Charlie Coyle from Weymouth, Massachusetts." <laughs> I mean, that's his. Honestly, it should be his nickname at one point. Like, if the MLB, if the NHL did nickname jerseys like baseball did. I would hope he would just put Weymouth on the back of his jersey. <laughs> so I, I work I work in Weymouth. When Charlie Coyle got traded to the Bruins, you would have thought that every single person in that town won the lottery. It was – it exploded. Well, it's like Pat Connaughton last night with the Celtics. Like Pat Connaughton's from Belmont. He grew up a Celtics fan. Like, Pat, why are you out there shooting threes? Just tank for us. Tank for us, help us get the dub, and you can come to the parade. Like – you know, we know you're still a Celtics fan. We know you're probably going to go back to playing baseball next year. You don't need this. Just, just help us out a little bit, and, and we'll put you on. We'll put you on one of the duck boats. We'll let you meet no. Tom Brady. Whatever. No, but talk, dude. Talking in movie theaters is the worst of the worst. Like every once in a while is fine, but this kid was going the entire time. I was ready to lose it. I was ready to lose my mind. And again, no spoilers, but there were some big parts that she was just going. And I was, I, I was almost ready to, to snap. I was gonna, I was losing my shit. All right, let's move on. This is, listen, Alex is a good guest to have on here because for this next topic, because he literally talked about this was it for nine hours last week. Um, yeah, we did like nine and a half, eight and a half live. Yeah. Nine and a half hours. So the Patriots draft, I just want to go over the Patriots draft. I want to talk about who we like, who we don't like. Uh, listen, honestly, honestly, people are going nuts over this draft. A lot of people really like what the Patriots did in this draft. I, I think rightfully so. No, they, they had one of the better drafts in the league. I mean, for me, it's between them and Carolina for who did the best. I think the Panthers did an outstanding job as well. Filling some, do you wish they, they got had. Will Greer? I mean, I do over Jared Stidman. I, Stidham? I, I mean, I, I do. I think he's a better player, but I don't. If they weren't convinced he was the next guy, which I don't think they were, I'm fine with them passing on him. Because okay, at that point, I'd rather have, if he's not the next guy, I'd rather have Stidham in the fourth round and Greer in the third, given some of the other guys they took in that third round. Here's a question I have, though. They So they traded down in the, was the it was the third round that Greer got taken, correct? Yeah. So they traded down with the Rams, I believe it was, from pick 97 to 101. Yeah. Will Greer went at pick 100. If Will Greer was there at 101, do you think they would have taken him? No, because I believe they had another shot at him. And no, they would have taken him at 97 if they could. They 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 knew Carolina was looking for a quarterback. They know what all the teams are looking for. Why is Carolina looking for a quarterback? Cam's been banged up. At the very least, they need somebody to he's been banged up. He he hasn't I mean he's never really returned to that form he was when they went to the Super Bowl. I think they're one, they need a good insurance policy. And two, I think they're just trying to send him a message. Get your shit together. Yeah, I mean, we we know what this guy's doing. He's not having sex. That's his game plan. No sex equals touchdowns. Listen, right, if- well, I'm not throwing any touchdowns, so that clearly doesn't work. <laughs> but, no, I, I look, it was a little surprising for me. And, and, look, maybe caught them off guard, too. But the fact that when I go, I, I really liked Greer to the point where I think I formed a bit of a bias. And I didn't like Stidham because I'm an Alabama guy. Um, so that formed a little bit of a bias. I think they're closer than – they're definitely closer than I thought now that I've gone through and looked at it. I think they're closer than a lot of people realize. Yeah, a I lot of like, people were talking here's the thing, up. At that point, I would rather have them taken Drew Locke over over Juwan Williams. Drew Locke was the, is the best of the three. If they really – if they were going to invest that highly, there's a huge difference between the third and the fourth round in terms of how you frame your frame it for your roster – if you're going to take a day two quarterback, go get Drew Locke in the second round. Like that, that's kind of, if you want to have that argument, that's how I would frame it. Cause Locke's better than both of them. Locke to me was the second best quarterback in the draft. And he fell because he didn't have the people around him at Mizzou. He needed to, I think to be the player he totally could be. 
But at that point, I'd just rather have Locke. And I love Will Greer. I do. I, he has the exact mindset I want in my quarterback. But Drew Locke, if you were going to go that route, Drew Locke was the guy. So that's how I would frame now, it. Now, so Kyler Murray went first. And this isn't really the, the direction I plan on going here. But Kyler Murray went first. Yeah. Do you think... Do you really think that Kyler Murray is that far and away the best quarterback that was in this draft? I don't think Kyler Murray was was worthy of a first overall pick. In... I don't either. I think the hype got him. I think the hype I mean, got him so... there. Just like the hype got Markel Fultz to number one uh, the year Jason Tatum got uh, drafted. It's, it's a little more in the, whole, the hype. It's a couple of things. Like, don't get me wrong. Kyler Murray has an insane amount of talent. And if it's a fantasy draft on Madden, sure. Oh, but... he's going to be electric on Madden. Right. But the, the fact of the matter is he... he, he he measured it in 5'10". It's probably like 5'8". He weighed in at 180. It's probably like 170. He's going to take a lot of hits. And that that was the biggest concern to me is after they drafted Kyler, I said, go get him an offensive line. Forget about it. And they got him some good weapons. They did. They made they drafted some good receivers. But They got the kid from UMass. They did. But that offensive line was one of the worst we've seen in football in the last 10 years last season. And they Josh really Rosen got his ass kicked right. last season. And they didn't do anything to fix it. And Rosen's, Rosen's a big dude. Rosen could take the hits. Kyler Murray can't. What I see in this kid is RG3. RG3 was very talented, but he just took so many hits that rookie year that they built up and the injuries built up and he was never the same. Like Kyler Murray could have two or three really good years, but behind that offensive line, I don't know how long he's going to last. And he makes himself himself vulnerable because he gets out of the pocket and he runs. He's going to take some shots. They need to make sure part of the problem with Griffin was he didn't go out of bounds. They need to make sure they teach him to go out of bounds. And I mean, we'll see, but I would not be shocked if he doesn't get a second contract or if he goes back to baseball. If he decides it's not worth taking this physical beating, I was a professional football player. I lived that dream. Time for me to go back to baseball where I'll be safer. He was a first-round pick for sure. Talent-wise, yes, he was worthy of the number one overall pick, but there were other things about the situation, and some of them are not on him, right? The Cardinals having a bad offensive line is not his fault, um, that I think would have would have shot him down the board. The other thing is, we've seen this now a couple of times where coaches come in and try to install college offenses in the NFL, and it looks like that's what Cliff Kingsbury is going to try to do. He's going to try to install a traditional air raid system, not adjusted for the NFL, but a true air raid system in at Arizona, and it, that never works. It didn't work for Chip Kelly when he tried it on the Eagles and tried to install the Oregon offense there. Um, it didn't work for Josh McDaniels when he tried to put a college offense around Tebow. We saw what happened to the Ravens this year. There are certain offensive systems that work in college that just don't work in the NFL because the talent disparity isn't as big. So it looks like that's what Cliff Kingsbury is doing. And especially with that offensive line, he cannot run a true air raid system in the NFL. That doesn't work. The Patriots are probably as close the 2007 to 2010 Patriots are probably as close as you're going to come to that. And that's team still relied on the running game a bit, even though they had Lawrence Maroney as their running back. So I just, I, I like Kyler as a player. I do. I think there's a number of circumstances outside of his control that are setting him up to fail, which sucks to see. My biggest problem with this whole situation is in, in not to just bring it back to Josh Rosen, but I guess it all circles around Josh Rosen. Like you drafted a guy last year as your right, franchise that was quarterback. I, I thought and it's not, it's not a bad pick. Josh Rosen is I not thought he was the pick. best quarterback in the draft last year. I really so did. I liked him a lot. And I, I half of me wanted the Patriots to trade for him because they had so oh, many picks this year. I totally did. But this is what you say. I mean, this isn't new with in the NFL. You get a new head coach, new GM, you get a whole new regime and they, Coaches want their guy to be quarterback. Josh Rosen, as talented as he is, is not Cliff Kingsbury's guy. He wants his guy to be the quarterback. I I don't agree with it, but, but that when I understand. You put your ego aside, and you need to just say this guy it's, has it's talent. This guy has about the ego. Again, I think Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen is an excellent quarterback. I do. He's not an air raid quarterback. If Cliff Kingsbury, the system has to become above the players. That that's just coaching. The system has to come above the players, right? You go out and you get the players to fit your system. Um, with very, very few exceptions, there are certain guys that transcend systems. But Josh Rosen, I mean, you got to be in the league five, six years to get to that point. Josh Rosen does not transcend the system. If Cliff Kingsbury comes in and says, I want to run a run it and shoot offense, um, then Josh Rosen's not the guy. That's just the reality of it. So, I mean, that's that's where we were. And if if Kyler Murray wasn't available, uh, I don't know. Maybe we see Daniel Jones as the top pick because you're just going to go look at a guy who was a cannon. I, mean, I don't know that he's agile enough, but my point being, Rosen was never going to be 
Kingsbury's guy. It's just he didn't fit. He doesn't fit what it looks like Cliff Kingsbury wants to do in Arizona. And the quarterback at any other position, you need a guy who's going to be capable of running your offense. And you're not going to be rolling Josh Rose now 20, 25 times a game, whereas you can do that with Kyler Murray. All right, let's look at the Patriots' draft picks this year. Uh, they had how many? They had 10, correct? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, with 12. They made 10, 12. and they picked pick next year. Okay, so they draft picks. Nikhil Harry, Jawan Williams, Chase Winovich, Damian Harris, Yadni Ka- Kajust. Kajust, okay. Yad- and then this Evan next one. Me with that one. This, um, his, who is, his, is it the guard from Arkansas? Is he the next one? I'm trying to remember the order. Yeah, Hjalti. So that is Yelda. Yelda? That's yeah, Yelda? He's Danish. He's Danish. Yelda. Yelda Froholt. I had to help Evan with that one. Yelda Froholt. Ridiculous way to spell that. The fourth Denmark-born player in the NFL. There is one very notable one. He actually played more games in the NFL than anybody else. Do you know who that is? Sebastian Janikowski? Very close. He's Polish descent, but he's American. No, he's in, he's in the Hall of Fame. It is a kicker. It's Morton Anderson. And he's from Poland? I mean, okay. uh... Denmark. Denmark. Yep. Morton Anderson is from Denmark. So. Anderson is from Denmark. Yep. All right. Jared Stid- Stidham, uh, Byron Cower, Jake Bailey, and then Ken Webster. Out of that entire list, who's your favorite draft pick? I mean, my favorite, I already mentioned I'm an Alabama fan, is Damian Harris. I've been saying for two years. Did they like, need a running back? They didn't need one, but they, he really helps. He really, let me, so let me explain. First off, I've been saying for two years this guy would be the perfect Patriot. I, I really didn't expect it after they took Sony last year. I said, oh, well, there goes that hope. Damien Harris was the only draft pick we weren't live for this weekend. And it's a shame because I really? lost. I lost because we were on a conference call with whoever was picked before him. It might have been Juwan Williams, actually. I forget. We were on a conference call. We couldn't be live before for him. Before him was Chase Winovich. That might have been who we were talking to one of the two. I forget which one. But anyway, I freaked out because um, he is the perfect fit for the Patriots because he will do – the way the best way to describe Damian Harris is he's not amazing at anything. Like he doesn't have one skill that you go, oh my God, that's incredible. But you can't find a weakness in his game. He can run between the tackles. He can run to the outside. He's a threat in the passing game. He's a blocker. He can return kicks. He can cover kicks. Like this guy, you can put him, you can give him a task and he will accomplish it wherever on the field. Rex Burkett's kind of like that, but one, he's a better ver- I think he's better than Rex Burkett at this point. Not by much, but I think he's... Rex kid's also always hurt. Well, and that's the other thing. Damian Harris is going to be available. He never missed a game in Alabama. Rex Burkhead can't be on the field. So now you have... And on top of that, you've got Sony Michelle, too, who's got bad knees. You never know if Sony right. Michelle's going to actually be able to play. Let, let's say Sony's healthy. Let's round this thing out here. And I still wish they had that true power back like LeGarrette Blunt. That's who I thought they were going to take going into this draft. An L.J. Scott kind of guy. But... You have Sony Michelle, who's your bell cow back. Yeah, they don't they don't have that anymore. Well, Sony can be that. You, you you want that to be separate from your from your big back, so you don't from your main back, your feature back, so he doesn't take the same wear and tear. But the way it's set up now, Sony's not going to play as much in the middle of the field, so it's fine. You have Sony Michelle, who's your bell cow, 20, 25 touches a game. You have James White, who's essentially a receiver who lines up in the backfield. He's your true third down back. And I think Damian Harris, if you were to put him on a scale, because to me, Sony, Michelle, and James White are complete opposite players. And Damian Harris is right in the middle. So that just ran. And then you have Brandon Bolden. So to me, and I have on my roster projection on CLNS. Yeah, Brandon maybe, Bolden's not a real running back. I have, no, but I'm just saying, I've, the reason I'm not mentioning Burkhead, I have him off the roster right now. His contract's very easy to get out of. Burkhead? Yes. Okay. I have him off the roster. So I think between those three and then Bolden in a blowout when you need him, um, Bolden. So listen, Bolden is literally to running backs as Matt Slater is to receive. No, no. Cause I mean, we saw what he did to the Patriots last year. He can run the ball a bit. No, I know. But in, in the Patriots system, system, in the pay with the Patriots, he's a special teamer. Yeah, no, that's true. Let me, let, but anyway, my point being, I think it was a great pick because I just, I, I love the way they can use their backfield right now. And people talk about, Oh, they didn't draft a tight end. They didn't replace Rob Gronkowski. I think this was replacing Rob Gronkowski because replacing Rob Harris. Yes. Listen to this. Replacing Rob Gronkowski does not mean going out and getting another tight end because you're just trying to replace the production. You don't need to replace it with the same player. 
the Patriots are going to, the Patriots offense is going to look very different this year. What they're going to do, what this draft told me they're going to do is they're going to devalue the tight end position and increase the way they value the running back position. So the tight ends they have now, they got some guys you can catch. Malikos isn't bad, but they got big guys who will be able to block and play at the line of scrimmage. And they got a couple of running backs now in White and Harris who can be uh, features in the passing game. Plus, they're better set up to run the ball. So some of what you saw them areas in the past where you saw them lean on Rob Gronkowski, now they're going to lean on the running backs. It won't look the same, but you're going to get the same result. So this to me, and Nikhil Harris fits into this too because they still need a goal line threat and he's a big body guy. But ultimately what they're going to do is change the way they value positions offensively and drafting a guy like Damian Harris allows them a lot more freedom in the way they use their running backs. And that is why I think, yeah, Damian Harris is the is in some ways, you're not going to replace Rob Gronkowski in one year with one player, but he is a big part of replacing Rob Gronkowski. Look at the fullback position. When Bill Belichick entered the league, every team had a fullback and they carried the ball five to 10 times a game. They were on the field more often than not. They mattered. Bill Belichick wiped the fullback position off the face of the earth when he reinvented the Patriots offense in the late part of the first dynasty and into 06, 07, 08, right? He essentially made the fullback irrelevant. Once every team had stopped using fullbacks, Belichick brought it back. And now you see James Devlin as a contributor, a true contributor on a Super Bowl team. Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is the Kardashians of the NFL. He brings friends back. Right. So here's what's happening now. Tight end, people forget before Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, even, even a guy like Tony Gonzalez, who was considered a great tight end, I mean, he wasn't a this big end. he wasn't this big threat receiver. He was a guy who, yes, was a great receiver, but also factored into the blocking game, and that was his primary responsibility. Tight end, you were not game planning passing plays around tight ends before Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Now every team is doing it. You have guys like Travis Kelsey, like Zach Ertz. And now that these teams are loading up on these elite pass-catching tight ends, guess what Bill Belichick's going to do? He's going to bring that position back down to where it was 10 years ago and reemphasize another position that's kind of fallen to the wayside in the last couple years, which is the running back. He's staying ahead of the curve. And I think this may have been his plan all along, is whenever Rob Gronkowski retires... We're going to devalue the tight ends and we're going to revalue the running backs. So yeah, Damien Harris to me was, was, he was my, to get back to your question, Harris was my favorite. Cause <laughs> I loved to see an Alabama guy with the Patriots. The guy I do think ultimately was the best fit, uh, best pick fits a need, good player, all of that. Um, I mean, it's easy to say Nikhil, I'll say a tie Nikhil Harry, obviously they needed, but that was also kind of a no brainer pick. Um, Chase Winovich is going to be, I just, see just I'm going awesome here. That's, so, that's my between pick those too. Two, I think, I mean, I think those two both have the potential if they stick around to be Patriots Hall of Famers when this thing is all said and done. Damn. No, look, I, I Chase Winovich. Hall of Famers, clarify that. Patriots, not not yeah. NFL Hall. I of mean, poss- possibly, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. Those two, Red, they're guys who are gonna totally buy into to what's being yeah. done. Yeah. Red jacket, not gold. So listen, Chase Winovich, the 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 kid, the scouting reports, and and I said this on the CLNS Patriots roundtable this week. And I, I've got people in the comments all pissed. I never read the comments, but this is the first this is the first time in a long time I was like, oh whatever, we got a ton of comments. I'll check out the comments. I have people rip shit at me because I said that part part of the knock on Chase Winovich is maybe a lack of talent. And when I say a lack of talent, it's not saying that the guy isn't great at football. He played division one football at Michigan. Of course he's good at football. But what people are saying is that he just doesn't have those those certain intangibles, the big body, the 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 complete elite skill level of a linebacker slash defensive end. What he has, though, and what's the biggest part of his game and why he fits so well with the Patriots is because he's a high motor guy because he's competitive, because he has confidence. That's a leader. That's a guy the Patriots need. And guess what? You just got rid of Trey Flowers. They filled a need, just like you just said, Alex. They filled a need. You got rid of Trey Flowers. The next guy is here. The next guy is here in a Bill Belichick fashion. He's dirt cheap. And you know he's what? You, right you mentioned that he he's his he's gonna take it's gonna take a little bit of time to polish his NFL skills. He's actually very similar to Michael Bennett. So he's not gonna have to play a, a starring role on this Patriots team. He can kind of sit in the background. You'll get the quality snaps from Bennett this year while he learns in the next year or two years from now, depending on what happens with Bennett, he kind of takes over as that primary starter, as that 60 snaps a game kind of guy. So, yeah, Belichick set that whole thing up very well. 
All right, now, so mine's Chase Winovich. Let's do this one quick so we can jump into the other topics for a little bit. Do you like the pick to go with wide receiver Nikhil Harry in the first round? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I I like that that's the wide receiver they targeted. A bunch of people were were pissed. A wide receiver? Did you expect Nikhil Harry if they went receiver? Um, Adam Adam Jones of 98.5 The Sports Hub, friend of the show. He picked Nikhil Harry in his draft. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure how the board was going to shake out. I actually thought I had seen Harry mock to them a bit with their first pick in the second round. Um I I ultimately oh, to me it's it's not about the spot. Basically, I think there were one or two receivers off the board at that point, but everybody was available and I wanted nothing to do with DK Metcalf. I think he's going to be a total bust. Uh Paris Campbell overrated because of the muscles. Yep. Paris Campbell's going to have some injury. I think for what they needed, there were, there was a lot of, of receivers that were really all kind of grouped together where, you know, they all were sort sort of had equal talent, equal potential, but they were very different prototypes. And it was sort of picked a kind of receiver you want. I'm not surprised they went receiver 32. I'm glad Harry's the one they chose because kind of like I talked about before, here's a guy that's going to be able to run some of the routes Gronk ran. You're going to be able to send him up the seam. He's going to be able to out body a corner. Um, you know, he's a bigger, more physically imposing guy, but he's good at running after the catch. Ten years ago, he might be a tight end. So he's a very good blocker, too. Let me throw that in there. Ten years ago, he might be a tight end. So he's a big guy. Yeah, he what, is. What, no, I, he, have, I, I have his, what's he, 6'2", 228? That sounds about right. 6'2", 225 is what I have him here. I think my notes. Of, their, of their options at wide receiver, he was the best one. And I don't know they could have waited because the report is the Cardinals were taking him at 33 if he was there. Um, and that's part of the reason some people think the Cardinals took Andy Isabella was out of spite to the Patriots. So, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I have, I gave that, that was, I gave that pick an A. Like I have no problem with that pick and we'll see if he, if he pans out, we know their history with wide receivers, but for their options at the time, I think that was their best. And you know, there was nobody else on the board. They go out, they get, um, and you needed, a, you needed Williams. a receiver. And if right. people were falling off the board, you were going to have and to there, take somebody. There was a run on receivers before their next pick, too. So they would not have had as many options. No, I, I liked that pick. All right, let's move on. Patriots draft. Like, like I said, having Alex on for the Patriots draft is big because he did nine and a half hours on just talking about this shit with, with CLNS. All right, next topic. Again, I wanted to talk about this specifically with you because we butt heads and I know exactly what you're going to say here. Um, and I, you know, Honestly, I might agree with you here on your take. Are the Red Sox turning a corner Wednesday, May 1st, when we recorded? They have now swept the Oakland A's. They got their second series win. Second series win. Again, this is on May 1st. They just won their second series. Swept the Oakland A's. Now they have Chicago White Sox coming up in a four-game set, and then they have the Orioles uh, in three games following that. So, Alex, what do you think? Are the Red Sox turning a corner? Uh, My question is, does it matter? You know, even if they play at the pace they did last year, and I got to figure this out here real quick. It, it, so are you going to sell me on the fact if, that they're not going to make If the they playoffs? play at the pace they played last year for the rest of the season, given the start they've had, they'll win 101 games. But that, that means they win two of every three games the rest of the season. And first of all, it's absurd they played at that pace last year. Winning oh, it's games. absurd that they never lost three games in a row. Right. So they're not out of it. Are they turning the corner? I don't know. There's still a lot that this team needs to figure out. And every time they start to turn a corner, a new problem seems to emerge or a problem that we didn't notice because they were getting their teeth kicked in. Right. It took us two weeks to figure out how bad, exactly how bad the bullpen was just because they weren't needed. There was no situation for them to prove themselves for two weeks. And now we know Tyler Thornburg is a dumpster fire and Dabrowski won't take him. This whole season is basically what Dave Dombrowski is doing is bizarre. Dave Dombrowski cares more about saving face than saving his job. That's why Blake Swihart is no longer here. That's why Tyler Thornburg is still here. They're, I would like to think they're turning a corner, yes, but I just don't know that Dave Dombrowski is going to put them in the position to do that. They could use Blake Swihart right now. They really could. You know who they're not using right now? Dustin Pedroia. But thank God he got that one at bat in New York, which, by the way, after he popped out, dropped his career <laughs> average to 299. So Blake Swihart died so Dustin Pedroia could retire a sub 300 hitter. And for a guy that already has a 50 50 case of Cooperstown, that's going to matter. So when Dustin Pedroia doesn't get in, Red Sox fans, guess who you can blame? Dave Dombrowski. And the Tyler Thornburg thing, look, 
you screwed up. You made a bad trade. Travis Shaw's great. Tyler Thornburg sucks. Should you have known he was going to have elbow problems? His release isn't exactly conventional. You probably could have had a clue, but I'll give you a pass on that because he was filthy in Milwaukee. That's fine. But it's what, three years later now, four years later, you made a mistake. You were wrong. The guy sucks. Get rid of him. Fix the bullpen. Get Durbin Feltman up here, and then you can start turning the corner. I'm sorry. What was your original question? I don't even. I love you, man. I knew exactly. I knew that's what you were. You're going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, look. I, I I agree with you that I don't think that this team is turning a corner, and. You know, this is this is like the yin and yang thing with me and Alex. Alex is a Patriots guy. I'm a Red Sox guy, but we can fight with each other all day on both. Look, the Red Sox, I don't think they're turning a corner. It's too early to say that. Uh, again, this is just their second series win. Am I supposed to believe that these guys are turning a corner with their second series I win? I mean, they're certainly, like, it, some of it, too, is defined turning a corner. They're certainly playing better than they did at the beginning they're, of the they're year. Definitely, they're, like, they're definitely playing better. Are What's, they turning the corner towards maybe not serious. being a sub-500 team? Sure. Are they turning the corner towards being a World Series contender? Absolutely not. My fucking By the watch way, is talking to me right now. What? Like an asshole, Siri, on my Apple Watch, because I have an Apple Watch, is trying to talk to me right now in the middle of a show. Your Apple Watch probably thinks they're trying to turn it around. Look, and by the way, that reminds me, talk about our past. I remember doing a show with you about a, this time last year about Dustin Pedroia and his future. And you were very <laughs> encouraged by that. And I believe he's recorded no hits since we were since we recorded that episode. I don't have to go back and find that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that the other day. I, I know you remember what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. He had three games last year. You and fought he played tooth what, and nail 10? for Dustin Pedroia to come back with his 250 batting projected batting <laughs> average. And he didn't even hit that. He had like 249 less than that. No, see, now there's a legitimate problem with this team now. And I, it's going to come to a head very soon. So when D- Dustin Pedroia is scheduled... Uh, I don't know if he's still scheduled, but he was scheduled to make a double A appearance tomorrow in Portland for a rehab start. Okay, great. So Dustin Madroya could be on his way back. We'll see. He's already started to acknowledge that he might have to retire. He already has a quote uh, to Pete Abraham in the Boston Globe saying, if I have to retire, I don't have any regrets. As so a at that point, hitter. At, me, at me, that tells me that he's finally acknowledged that this thing might not be fixable. Like he and said, it, and, it, a, and it only cost them. It only cost them a first overall pick. <laughs> like he only cost nobody, them a first overall pick for him to realize that. Can you imagine if that happened with another team in this town and another athlete? If they and it, it's different circumstances, but if they lost a top prospect because somebody couldn't admit it was time to retire, like people forget one of Paul Pierce's lasting legacies, the great Celtic he was. And there's a reason Paul Pierce loves Jason Tatum so much. That's his legacy. That's a Brooklyn pick. We love Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, not just for what they did when they were here, but the way they went out. The way they, the way they did after. Right. Hey, Dustin no, this Petroia, is, this is one of the most point. selfish players in Red Sox history, this is, had to up. get his last bat shut so he could up. hit 99. For his career. His career. What he did, What he did in Baltimore in, in 2016, I will never get over that. I never. Yeah, okay. That was okay. so that, I, wrong. That I'm with you. So I will never get over that. I am totally Look, with you too. And for people who don't know, for people who don't know, he's talking about after getting slid in Manny Machado, Matt Barnes throws at Manny Machado's head. Dustin Pedroia looks at Manny Machado in the dugout and says, that wasn't me. That was them. Now, some people like to say that he's throwing the coaching staff under the bus, no, not the players. It doesn't matter. When you're a team, there is no them. There is no me and them. There is us. Right there. That's what it should. And look, he won a World Series. He won two World Series. Great. Awesome. Technically won two World Series. He technically has won three. He's technically a three-time World Series champion. If you win a championship (laughs) in Boston, you're forever loved. That's and he's not. I don't want to put him in Ray Allen cat territory because he's not there. He's not there. But but that was just such a selfish, coward, dipshit move. He's he's certainly not in the you know instantly buy him a beer if he walks in the bar category either what a chicken shit move that was (laughs) and then to cost the team blake swihart because he couldn't figure out that his knee didn't work no listen 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 this is what i wanted to say with the the problem that this team is running into now is his his name is michael chavis michael chavis their top prospect shout out the little spinners get your tickets little spinners.com mike (laughs) you know i have to do it Michael Chavis is the has been the Red Sox top prospect for a while. Obviously, got busted for steroids, but 
he got called up this year in lieu of Brock Holt being on the on the IL. <sighs> fucking IL, not DL. Uh, Eduardo Nunez being on the IL, and now Dustin Pedroia being on the IL. So Michael Chavis got his, his shot, and guess what? This kid's performing. This kid's hitting three. They're, they're gonna they're gonna wave him once Pedroia's ready to come back. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if you can. Because this they're going kid, to, and he's going to, he's going to end up on another. They're going to trade him to make room for the, on the roster. That's because that's what this team does. They're, he's going to trade him for bullpen arm. So this kid does. This kid is part of the reason why this offense got going again, and that's a fact. This kid is made. It's a huge part of the reason. And now the whole offense is moving. Mookie Betts is hitting really well. Rafael Devers is hitting well. Andrew Bentendi's got to figure it out a little bit. Mitch Moreland's hitting bombs again. Um, JD Martinez is doing his thing. Jackie Bradley sucks at the plate. Sandy Leon sucks at the plate. Uh, who did I miss anybody? No, I don't think so. So this team is starting to turn it around, but I don't think they turned a corner. I think the biggest problem that they're going to have though, is when Bedroya is ready to come back. If he's ever ready to come back, because you cannot send Michael Chavis back down to AAA with the way he's playing right now, unless he goes into a drastic tailspin and he cannot figure out how to hit and he cannot and figure he out how to still, you need to stick with him. Cause he's, he's a young player. You need to show you're going to stick by him. No, it has to, it has to be Thornburg. I don't know who else it can be. And it's not going to be Thornburg and they're going to blow our minds. However, they handle this, but it has to be Thornburg. The guy can't is Carson they, Smith in Pawtucket. Cause he's, he got signed. Yeah, but I don't think he's on a major league contract. I don't think, I don't think he's on the 40 man roster. No, no, he's on a minor league contract. That's what I'm saying. Imagine if Carson Smith and Tyler would, Thornburg. I, I would take, I would take Carson Smith over Tyler Thornburg at this point. Oh, Honestly, he's on so the, he's I, on the I, injured I didn't list. I him last year before he threw his temper tantrum and hurt his shoulder. Right. He actually wasn't, look, should he be their closer? Absolutely not. But, you know, clearly we can't even trust Thornburg with mop-up duty. Carson Smith, fine, whatever. Although he's hurt. Shocker. So, I don't know. Can we get Travis Shaw to come back and close? <laughs> no, seriously. To me, it's all about, and, and like everybody's falling in love with Chavis and, um, uh, her win is in right. Um, and, uh, who, who, who are the other two prospects they called up? They called up Darwinson Hernandez. Darwinson Hernandez. Yeah. And, um, who's the reliever. They called oh. him up and they sent him right back down. Oh, is that uh, he got rocked in uh, New York? Uh, begins with an E. Let me, let me get this well, for you. I, I know everybody, I know everybody's excited. They've called up. A, I know everybody's excited. They've called up a bunch of prospects. The one to really get excited for, I think the best prospect that we're going to see this year Unless something wild happens with Bobby Dalvin, yeah, but I go. don't think we see him. Here we go. Sturman Feldman. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're going me on? No, yeah. Feldman's a stud. Feldman was a major league pitcher last he year in Lowell. He played for Lowell. He played for the Spinners. But, but <laughs> he faced 21 batters. He struck out 18 of them. No, Dermot Feldman. Listen, let me let me like, pull up Dermot Feldman's name. And I'm, you know, I'm giving you shit, but I'm with you because that's been said on this podcast by me and Jared many times. Look, I'll just say this. I think part I of the reason both, I saw both of them last year. I saw Feldman and Chavis. I have no problem with Chavis. He's not a bad player. Who do I think was the better prospect? Who do I think is going to have the better MLB career? It's Feldman. 2019 right now, Dermot uh, Feldman's ERA is 3.86. But if I remember correctly, I don't have a game log here. He if I remember like correctly, really he had star. he yeah. had two really bad. He had one really really bad game. Yeah, he had one game with an 18 ERA, uh, and then his first game, he got here, rocked. Got two right here. He allowed two runs. He allowed two runs on the 19th. He allowed one run on the fifth. His other appearances are all scoreless. In fact, his other appearances are all hitless. So if you take out those two, one inning, one inning, three runs, you take those two out, no close is going to be perfect. He's throwing five scoreless innings, five, uh, no walks, either five innings with just one walk, no hits, five innings with one base runner. I would like them. To, I would like them to bring him up to AAA and see what he can do in, in AAA. But AAA not really, that's not really how it works anymore. AAA is more just kind of a holding pattern for guys who aren't quite made. It's, it's the guys you may need to call up in emergency to fill out your roster. I don't know that AAA is really a prospect level anymore. I think if, if he's ready to go, he's ready to go at this point. If he's, yeah, if he's yeah but good, he's, he's good. He's at the point though, where I would, I just want to see what he can do because I, there's, there's former major leaguers in AAA. I would like to see what he can do in AAA. And if he goes yeah. in, they need and, it, and, to and get if he him fails, going. you know, he's not ready and you can drop him back down to double A because you don't want to bring him up to the majors, have him get rocked. That ruins his psyche. Hell, I don't think that this was the complete story with him, but that's part of the reason with uh, why Henry Owens just was a complete dumpster fire. Because you brought him up, you got to ask him. Every pitcher they've had. Good value Besides for John Lester, do you know who the last not so good value at pitcher the Red Sox actually brought up through their farm They've system was? Who was an all-star? Not a guy they traded. 
number of good saves. <laughs> was Buckles an all-star? No, it's a not Um Like a guy that they drafted, they brought up through the majors was an all-star for their team. They're guys they've traded, like Kopex a stud. Um uh, there are other names that they've traded who've gone on to be good, but like did they actually, Yes. Since eighty fucking six, one they have drafted one pitcher they have drafted has worn an all-star uniform with the Red Sox. Wow. That's and they, a, and they butchered it and, and accidentally shipped the guy off to Oakland, which was a major mistake. <laughs> and the Red Sox did thing with Mookie Betts, but we'll get into that another time. All right. What's wrong with the Bruins' next topic? Oh, man, that Red Sox one just wore me out. I knew that was going to happen. That was that was tough. Uh, okay, what's wrong with the Bruins? We're going to make this one quick so we can get into Tyreek Hill, and then we'll wrap up the show. So the Bruins, and we don't really have to talk about this much because it's not really going to be an evergreen topic. By the time this comes out, the Bruins could have already either won or lost game four. Um, so the Bruins went into Columbus, uh, played two games, lost. Uh, no, 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 no. They have one more game in Columbus. So they lost the first game in Columbus. Look. I, there's one major problem with this team right now, and it's the most obvious problem, but it's what we need to talk about. The first line is MIA. The first line that made this team what it is, the first line that is regarded as one of the top, probably two best in hockey, is missing. Completely gone. Pasternak, he's either hurt or he's just plain choking. David Pasternak has done nothing this series. He looks timid. He looks like he doesn't want to get hit. And he just, he doesn't remotely look like the same guy. He doesn't have the will to play the game. I don't know if it's that he doesn't want to hustle. I don't know if he's damaged um, psychologically at this point. But right now, David Pasternak's not doing anything. Bergeron, with his playoff history, he's probably injured right now because that's what happens with Bergeron every year. At the end of the playoffs, if they lose or if they win, you always hear that Bergeron is playing with like nine cracked ribs, a broken femur. And then Marshand, he's probably been the best out of the three to be honest with you, but that's not saying much because he hasn't been great either. This top line has been absolutely missing. And you thought, hey, they moved Pasta to the third line to see if that could potentially help him and the third line along with Charlie Coyle. But that did nothing. Pasternak still looked the same. So today, skate, again, we record Wednesday, May 1st. Today at the team practice, skate, Pasternak was back on the first line. So, I mean, we're at the point now where you say, do you take Pasternak as a healthy scratch if he continues like this? I know you don't want to do that. Pasternak has been one of the best players in hockey this season. In hockey this season. He's been one of the best scorers in the league. But if he continues the way that he's been playing recently, can you scratch him? Can you take him out of the lineup? Because, to be honest with you, when he was playing next to Krejci for those couple of games... And they had Heinen up on the first line, which I'm personally, I want that line still. I like, regardless of the lack of production so far, I like Heinen, Bergeron, and Marchand together because I think that kind of separates the talent. But when Pasternak was with Krejci, it was like Krejci was, was carrying the load with no help from his right winger. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think getting that first line back together, I think splitting them up, getting them back together, that's a good wake-up call. Um, uh, I, I'm... The Bruins, the one thing you can say about this team when they have struggled at times, and we've talked about it this year, is the opposite um, of of them and the Celtics, is that they respond well. They come back well. They make their point. They'll, they're going to respond. I'm expecting big things from them in game three. And yeah, that top line hasn't been playing great, but the reality is it's a long yeah, playoffs. Cool. And even in 2011, even in 2013, that group slumped at times. And if they come out flat in game three, it's in game four, pardon me, it's pretty much over. But I'm not. I'm not ready to count it. I, they've shown me enough this year that I'm not going to count them out after two bad performances. I'm just not. And so what? What scares me with this team right now, and it's it's not necessarily with the Bruins. Uh, I guess it technically is though. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets will, and the, the, they've just imposed their will yeah, on them. The, they've hit the them. Bruins, they've got the, speed. And Bobrowski. Bobrowski's good, but look, look he's the, been playing out of his damn mind. I think the, not this I good, think the problem he's is playing out of his mind. He's hot. I think the part of the problem is the Bruins are a better team and they just haven't realized it yet. And maybe it takes an effort like oh, they put they out game three oh, to, 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 for them to realize that they're the better team. But I think if if the Bruins realize they're a better team, they can they can flip the switch on this. Cassidy, Cassidy should be able to coach circles around Tortorella. And look, the Bruins have had Tortorella's number. Guys like Tori Krug are going to be crucial to that. And he, he, I thought, came on strong at the end of game three. They kind of found their rhythm and they ultimately couldn't get that equalizer. But... I was encouraged by what I saw from them at the end of game three. Um, it, it's just, look, 
they were down two one to Toronto too, and I'm, I kind of feel the same way I did then. I, I'm not. It's not. I'm not panicking. They still have. They have a lot of work to do, right? They have to dig this themselves out of This is a big game to, easy, tomorrow night. But I, I have faith that they can do it. I have faith that they can make the adjustments they need to. I have faith they can turn it around. I have faith they can get kick it into the next year because I've seen them do it. I've seen them do it before, and that's that's such a true barometer to me. And if you've heard me talk about sports before. You know this is something I stick to. Part of my biggest problem with the Celtics flipping the switch is I never saw the evidence from them that they could do it during the regular season. And I'm still not convinced. They had a great win in Milwaukee. Awesome. Then they got their asses kicked. And that's the kind of game they haven't responded well to this year. And I wonder if they come out flat in game three, right, with the Patriots when they started off struggling. I said, I think they will flip the switch because I've seen it. I've seen the Bruins turn around from this kind of performance. I Will they do it again? I hope so. I'm not positive. I hope so. But I know for sure they can. I know it's within them to do. And that's what's kind of keeping me going. And you mentioned Tory Krug, too. I, I do want to give a shout out to Tory Krug because I'm talking about the the will and the physicality that Columbus has just put on the Bruins. Tory Krug has battled back. He's one of the few who have, who have been battling back. There was a graphic midway through the third period, or it might have been towards the end of the third period, or I don't re- really remember what time of the game it was. But at that point in the game, whatever point it was, Columbus had 39 hits to the Bruins 22. And the listen, the Bruins, so the Bruins win the Stanley Cup in 2011. Playing the playing I see a lot of similarities in the way that the Bruins played in 2011 to how Columbus is playing now. They've got a hot goalie, they're playing physical, but they also have the skill to score. They also have the skill to score. And this team right now, the way Columbus is playing, they're playing like a team that's on a mission. You watch Columbus, they're playing smooth and they're playing hard. And I think that they're beating the shit out of the Bruins. The Bruins, I don't think the Bruins expected this. I don't think the Bruins expected this much physical play from Columbus, even though they should have, because if you watch the series against Tampa Bay, that's how they beat Tampa Bay. They kicked the crap out of them. I think the Bruins should win the series. The Bruins are the better team. If you did a Sim season or a Sim series in NHL with the Bruins versus Columbus, the Bruins should win that series. But at this point, I see this game going to game seven. I think the Bruins are going to have to play 14 it games always, to get but out that's of the what first the Bruins do. It's always, it, but that's what the Bruins always do. They always play game sevens. That's just what they do. It's, they never make it easy. <laughs> it's, dude, it's not good for my heart, man. <laughs> nope. Well, that, that's just time. Like people, people think we have it so easy in Boston, winning in all these, winning all these titles. I yeah, playoffs slept, are hard. I haven't slept in days. <laughs> and tonight's kind of nice because there's no game. But then we got, we got Friday, Saturday, we got Sunday off, but then we got the double, we got the double dose on Monday. It's not it's easy. Tough. I've been having heartburn. I've been having heartburn. I don't sleep. This is not easy. Winning titles is not easy. It's not easy for the players, certainly, but it's also not easy for the fans. They're going to do more construction at Gillette now to reshuffle the banners <laughs> after they just did all that hard work two years ago. It's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate truth. I mean, it's something we live with. It's fine. We'll put up with it, but it's not easy. <laughs> so, you know, get your sleep while you can tonight, Boston. Because, again, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I guess for most people, Sunday's Game of Thrones. So you can throw that one out the window, too. And then the doubleheader on Monday. So we got a lot of late nights ahead of us. If people don't get it. People think that people think we're spoiled. No, we're not spoiled. It's just hard. It's hard to watch all these games. It's hard to pay attention to all these games. We're committed. I don't know. We're listen, spoiled, we're committed. Listen, I'm yeah. Last night I wrote this in my notes, but then I erased it. I'm going to talk about it now. Last night, trying to watch three games at one time. Sucks. It's so I haven't, hard. I haven't even bothered with the Red. I won't lie. I haven't really bothered with the Red Sox. I keep the box. <laughs> I watch the hell out of the Red Sox still. You know that. It's a six thirty start. I'll watch the first half hour up until the Bruins, but I'll fall. I can follow along with the box score. For now, I mean, they trying have, to flip they, back to the three was tough. Let me ask this: Have the Red Sox earned a third screen from you? Because they haven't. The Red Sox have not earned me putting in the effort to put up a third screen. They the did Red last year. Last year at this time, I was using three screens. I have not. They, I they have not earned me putting in that effort. Listen, go, the way the way my brain's wired, if they they could be winless right now, I'll be watching. Well, that's that's your problem. Yeah. All I'll right. Make them earn that third screen. We're gonna do this one quickly because I I, I feel like I, I'm very passionate about this topic. Tyree Kill. So we talked about Tyree Kill before on the show. Right. This is a tough topic. So his three-year-old people know the story at this point. Three-year-old had a broken arm. Uh, there is now accusations of child abuse against Tyreek Hill and his fiance. The judge accusations evidence. Well, the judge came back and said that he believes that there was something that happened, 
but he can't say for certain who it was, so he can't charge anybody in the case. Now we have an audio uh, tape, audio recording from the fiance recording Tyreek Hill and her talking. And you can just hear just how much of a devil this guy is, how much of a fucking scumbag this guy is. He's ta- He tells her straight up, you should be scared of me too. The kid is afraid of Tyreek Hill. The kid is telling people, telling the fiance that Tyreek Hill is the one. Daddy did it. Daddy did it. Talking about his arm. This yeah. guy, if he steps foot on an NFL field this year, which I'm sure he will, that's just going to be another black eye on this league. Another black eye on this league. I, I don't know that he steps on the field this year. I have to hope, hope at some point that she's figured out. And, of course, they're the ones who took the guy in the draft who had the history of questionable tweets. But it, Honestly. And also choked he, his pregnant girlfriend and punched her. No, no, no. I'm saying the guy the Chiefs drafted. Oh, this year. The guy that they question. drafted to replace Tyree Kill because he's probably going to be at least suspended. Uh, I think it was Paris Campbell that they took. Oh, no, it was uh, Miko Hardman. Sorry. Nico Hartman, he had tweets about like gay people going to hell or whatever. So of course that's the guy the Chiefs took. And there's a re- everybody's wondering why would he fall? Why would he fall? The Chiefs took him. The tweets came out. They knew those tweets were there. They didn't care. Uh, are the Chiefs a garbage organization? Maybe that's for the people at home to decide. But what should the NFL do? Honestly, the NFL shouldn't do anything. This should be self policing. Like the NFL, people forget the NFL didn't suspend Aaron Hernandez because they didn't need to. The Patriots cut him, and nobody bothered going near him because they knew he was a dirt bag. This should be the exact same case, right? The, the Tyree can yeah, look. The Chiefs um, should know. Let me, the Chiefs should know to get rid of this no, guy. Let me let me let me, qual- let me qualify this because there is one thing I will put on this. I do believe in innocent until proven guilty. As of right now, in regards to this case, Tyree Kill has not been proven guilty of anything. And if you want to talk about the previous case, that's a very valid discussion to have. But that's something that happened years ago, and clearly the Chiefs aren't bothered by it. I understand innocent until proven guilty. The Chiefs have dismissed him from team activities, which I think is a good step. But in the wake of those audio tapes, and if this gets back into court, I mean, look, he, he shouldn't he shouldn't play this here. If the Chiefs don't want to cut him, fine. Figure out a way to get him away from the organization. Because they have to. So as of right now, he's suspended from team activity. But if they let this guy play for their organization this and year, I look, I, that is an awful look for the Chiefs. I understand that they want to do an, they want to have an investigation. I think that is fair. I think Tyreek Hill does deserve an investigation. But I think we all know, and I think Tyreek Hill knows, and I think the Chiefs know what the result of that of that investigation is going to be. And when that's done, he needs to be gone. And frankly, I don't want the NFL to suspend him because I want to know if there is another team out there heartless enough to go sign that guy. Like the Browns were with Kareem Hunt. Well, I didn't think Kareem Hunt was going to get, at least not this quickly, I didn't think Kareem Hunt was going to get signed. I, I knew I, maybe Hunt two or three years signed. he may make his way back, but I didn't think he was going to get signed that quickly. I, well, the NFL shouldn't suspend him, so we know what organization is that screwed up. What Tyree Kill has done in both cases in both cases, because there's, there's a lot of people who don't know. When he was in college, his, his fiance, this, this girl who is involved in this case, I believe it's her. Yeah, it is. She was pregnant in college. Yeah, and he choked kid. her and beat this the kid. shit out of her. Yes, with this kid. Choked her and beat the shit out of her. That was the black mark on Tyree Kill as he came into the draft. And look, it, and look. now he's got this accusation on him where the judge is saying he's certain something happened. We have audio tapes where the fiance is telling Tyree Kill. The kid is saying that daddy did it. This guy should never be on a football field again. No. Never. But, and, and it, but, but the, again, it goes back to the problem. It should be self-policing. It You're shouldn't right, right. take – it shouldn't get to this point where we're even discussing it. Those audio tapes should come out, and he should be gone. And, if they, again, if the Chiefs are doing their own investigation, fine. I know that's still in progress. If that is – so I, I will give the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt. I don't know why, but I will. I will give the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt that they're doing their investigation. But when that investigation turns up with what we know it will turn up with, they have no excuse not to release him. That is kind of the final. If they haven't released him yet, they're on that last little strand of morality. Okay, they want to give him an investigation. Innocent until proven guilty. I can understand that. I wouldn't do it if it was me, but I can understand it. I'm not going to crap on them for that. But when the, when the results of that investigation come in, bye-bye Tyree Kill, or we have a real problem. Again, the NFL should not get involved in this because they should not have to. If we get to that point, you're looking at possibly needing to clear out the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, I'm i not one to grandstand that 
you know, athletes should be, you know, gone instantly, this, that, whatever, you know, they shouldn't get a second chance, but he's had his second chance and the organization has had their second chance. They've tried with a number of guys. Um, and they've, they, they've brought in a number of guys who have had this pass. So between Hill getting what would be his third chance if he gets by on this and the Chiefs getting their 10th chance, no, you need to step in. And I don't know what you just screenshotted, if it was me or whatever, <laughs> uh, but you need to send me those before you post those anywhere. No, I will. I will. All right. I'm exhausted now. I knew Seriously, that was going to happen. What were those? When we, that, was, that was just a screenshot of this. <laughs> okay. Are they in the chat? Yeah, they are. I don't know. Did you do that by accident? What were you screenshot? Yeah, no. I well, first I didn't know if that worked, right. but then I knew it worked. All right. Listen. Always, always good. Always good talking sports with Alex. Always fun. We don't get to do it as much as we used to anymore. So when we do it, it's very explosive. And that was. I don't think I've ever talked as fast in my life on this show as I did tonight. So you gotta <laughs> keep up, baby. <laughs> Couch Guys Sports Podcast episode number. 106 media qualia with Alex Barth and of course producer Patty P making us sound better than we usually do guys follow us everywhere on Twitter at couch guys sports uh, follow us on everything couch guys sports Facebook Instagram and Twitter follow Alex on Twitter at real Alex Barth me at Nick Wag and Pat uh, couch guy Pat at couch guy Pat and guys go to the store baby Go buy some stuff. Go buy some. We got some hot merch. Go buy some merch. That Tom Brady sweatshirt or not Tom Brady sweatshirt, but the sweatshirt that has somebody who looks specifically like Tom Brady. Uh, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's super comfortable. You guys buy that sweatshirt and then follow the podcast on Twitter too, at Couch Guy Pod. Couch Guy Sports Podcast, episode number 106 in the books. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.